0: you have your Bibles, you might want to find Second Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to continue today uh, where we left off last week about where to turn in your darkest moment. Where to turn in your darkest moment. If you'll remember, we've been studying about some different kings in the Bible and about some lessons that we can learn from what they did. And, and last week, we were able to look at the first four of eight things that King Jehoshaphat did... When he faced a dark moment, we learned last week that he got the news, that's what caused his dark moment, he got the news that there was a vast army that was going to come against him, and they were going to destroy him, that were going to take over his nation. And so he began to have this dark moment, and he began to think about what he was going to do. And so we found out last week that there were four things that he did. First of all, he begged God for guidance. And that's always a good thing to do when you're having a dark moment, right? And we're pretty good at that. When we get desperate, when we don't know what to do, and we've tried everything else ourselves, and we've come to the end of our own rope, a lot of times that's what we'll do is we'll turn to God and say, God help. You know, what did I do? God help me. So he begged God for guidance. Then he called for a fast. And we said last week, that was that special time of praying specifically for something. And then he gathered the people together. We said because there's strength in numbers. There's power in numbers. And when he called the people together, there was this huge gathering of people that had fasted and they were praying about the same thing. And then he prayed together with this large group. And and so when Jehoshaphat asked God for guidance and God gave that guidance through uh, a person by, by the name of Jehaziel, you remember him? God spoke through him when Jehoshaphat prayed. And so God gave very clear instructions as to what to do. And here's where we ended last week and here's where we're gonna pick up the story today. There's a fifth thing that happened when Jehoshaphat got the word from Jehaziel, he led the people to worship. He led the people to worship, just like we experienced just these few moments ago. He led them to worship. Look at it in verse 18 and 19. We, we read it last week. Then Jehoshaphat knelt low with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. Then the Levites from the sons of Kohathites and the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, shouting loudly. So sometimes, you know, we worship quietly, right? Sometimes we worship loudly. And and so that works out really good with the student ministry because they like to do it more loudly than they do softly. But, you know, like I said earlier, we we turn to God a lot of times kind of naturally when we have a dark moment. We'll, We'll turn to Him, but we don't always come back and thank Him for showing up, right? Yeah, yeah, I, that's, that's the way my life goes a lot of times, is, is I'll get to the end of my rope, and I'll finally turn to God, you know, and, and, and then I'll just go on. And I forget to thank God. So I think that's one of the lessons to learn here is that we need, to, when God shows up and he answers our prayer and he tells us what to do and he gets us through our dark moment, we need to pause long enough to worship in which worship is simply thanking God, loving God for who he is, telling God how much that you love him, reminding yourself how powerful he that All those things are elements of worship. So he led the people to worship. So next time God brings you through your dark moment, take time to worship and just give God some praise for getting you through it, right? There's a sixth thing that he did. And uh, if you're not familiar with this story, you might find it a little bit unusual, but he um, actually appointed people to sing, S-I-N-G. Now, I told you before uh, uh, over in Russia, when I was over there, we were singing in a former communist meeting hall and, um, and we were all sitting around and we had been singing and they were singing in Russian and so I didn't know what they were singing and and so but I noticed uh, people started whispering and it came down the line finally it came to my interpreter and the interpreter leaned over to me while they were still singing and the interpreter whispered into my ear she said ah oh, brother Nikki says uh, the people they want you to sin for them I said excuse me she said the people they want you to sin for them And I looked at her real funny. She said, ooh, bad interpretation. The people want you to sing for them. And I said, well, I'm a better sinner than I am a singer, so they might want the other. But anyway, he appointed people to sing, King Jehoshaphat did. Look at it with me, verse twenty says, Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Now, this was not... Toccoa, Georgia. even though there are some wilderness areas over there. Uh, this was another one. On the way, Jeho- Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Otherwise, hey, we need to have a little pep talk here for a minute. Y'all, y'all walking with your shoulders all down, looking all gloomy and stuff. I know it's a dark moment. We're going to battle against all this vast army that's bigger than us. But, but listen, believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm, believe in his prophets, and you will... Succeed. So he's pump, pumping them up. And then verse 21 After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang, Mandy. They sang, Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. We're going to have to write us a song, right? That, that's what they sing. And so I don't know what the consultation with the people was. I don't know if he went down through there and was having an audition or tryouts or what it was. But after he consulted with the people, he appointed these singers. So get this picture in, in, in your head now. It, they, there's so much power in singing, right? Right? I mean, how many of us go down the road and we're flipping through the radio station and that certain song comes on that moves us, right? There's power in singing, folks, whether we're hearing it sung or whether we're doing it ourselves, whether you think you're good at it or not. That's why the Bible said make a joyful noise to the Lord if you're not a good singer. Brother said he couldn't sing, but anyway, you know, you make a joyful noise, right? There's power in singing. We spend half of our service every week preparing our hearts for God to move, Right? That's what they were doing. They were out ahead of the army. I want you to picture this in your mind. You got this army. You got these people. They've got their weapons. I mean, they're ready to go to war. And then you got this choir out in front of them that's singing. All right? They had not got a, a knife in their hand or a sword or a spear or anything. I mean, they're just singing. Singing praises to the Lord out in front of this group. I mean, it had to be a mind-blowing kind of picture. But I want you to look at what happened, okay, when this was going on. Remember, they're headed out to war. And don't miss it because it's kind of subtle here and you'll. you'll Kind of go right past it if you're not careful. Verse 22. At the very moment, I want you to underline that if you have your Bibles there. Underline that or highlight it on your your app. At the very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. At the very moment, they started singing. The fighting started among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. Now, those of you that like that show, Survivor, I mean, you all be eating this up. This is exactly what's going on, right? They, they got this alliance going, and then they turned on it, and it's an ending that you don't get on the Survivor show. But anyway, we'll see that in a second. Verse 24. Don't miss it, it's, it's, it's kind of subtle here. So when the army of Judah arrived, when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, now we've all been at places and around the mountains, we, that's where we go when we live over here in flat southeast Georgia, right? We go to the mountains to, to get a view of, of, of all that kind of stuff. And, and you know there's certain points in mountains where you can't see a thing, right? Everything's blocked. But you get to a certain point and you can see everything from the lookout place, Right? And there's a certain place near Chattanooga called Lookout Mount where you look out and say, I think it's, what, seven states? You know, all I see is a bunch of trees, all right? I, I haven't seen the state yet, but I see a lot of trees, so I guess some of them are there. But anyway, it says, when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. So instead of trees, they saw dead bodies. Not a single one, Of the enemy escape. Now, I want you to notice when the armies started killing each other. Remember? It was at the very moment that they started singing and praising God. And guess what? That was a long way before they got to where the battle was going to take place. Do you get that? See how subtle that is? They hadn't even gotten to the place where the battle was going to take place. And yet, the armies are already killing themselves because they had started, as soon as the singing started, I don't know what that looks like. I look forward to seeing that one day when I get to heaven. Maybe the Lord will show us, right? But as soon as they started singing, these armies started killing each other. And they killed each other until every single one of them were dead. And it happened long before the army of Jehoshaphat even got there. They didn't even get to see the battle. They just got to see the results of it. See, The singing and praising didn't stir up the enemy. The singing and praising didn't even stir up the, the army of Jehoshaphat, but it stirred up God, Right? It stirred God to move, because remember last week we learned that the battle is not ours anyway, it's God's to begin with. So the singing stirred up God, and God moved into action. And what was going to be the darkest moment became very, very bright. They realized how real God is. see, they arrived at that most critical point of their dark moment. It was going to be that moment, they, they knew their territory, they knew their land. And it was going to be that moment when they arrived at the point where they knew that they would be able to look over and see this vast army that had come to destroy them. And if you can imagine, you've been marching, you've been singing, you've had the pep talk, right? You're ready to go get slaughtered. And you're going to get to that point, you're going to look out there and it's going to be a very, very scary thing. But when they get there, it had to be that shock and awe moment, you know? And the Bible doesn't really say anything about it, but I, I, I can't help but believe that the singing stopped for just a little bit because they were like, what? You know, they quit singing there for a minute. It was just, it was just a shocking moment. And it was, a, it was a life-changing experience for them when they looked over and realized that God really was real and that he had rescued them from their darkest moment. Can you, can you put yourself there? What about now, in your dark moment? There's a seventh thing he did. After this great victory, they celebrated the victory. They celebrated the victory. And, you know, I think there's a lesson in this. Verse 25, it says that King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could even carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing which got its name that day because the people praise and thank the Lord there, it is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem, with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies and so they didn't even have to do anything, right? Verse 28, they marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. See, that's where people gathered after a great victory. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemies of Israel, the fear of God came over them. What a victory that day. What a great victory. So much plunder that it took them three days to gather it all up. And then they had a parade and marched back to Jerusalem with all these things that they had been given to them by God in this, this great victory. And so they celebrated the victory. And I think there's a lesson to learn in that, and that is when God gives us those victories, we need to celebrate those. And that's what we want to do more of here at Eastern Heights is celebrate the victories. Celebrate the victories. And it's been tough. It's been tough, hasn't it? Not been a lot to celebrate. I mean, it feels like we're just hanging on most of the time, Right? I'm looking forward to celebrating more victories in the days ahead. Amen? And we're going to look for those. We're going to ask God for them. Then we're going to be careful to celebrate them, give Him credit for them. Well, they did one last thing they rested. See that? See how I did that? Just <laughs> like me, I got to take a minute to take a breath. They rested. They rested. Look at all that had happened. And then they rested. And didn't God teach us how to do that when he created the world in the very beginning? He rested on the seventh day. Verse 30 says, so Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace, for His God had given him rest on every side. You know, I don't know about you guys, but it feels like I'm living in a world where I can't get rest on any side. It seems like everywhere I turn, there's something going on that's not positive, right? and and so you know not only do we don't have rest on every side we don't have rest on any side it seems like and so when we get those directions from God. When we follow those directions from God, when God comes through for us, when he rescues us, we need to celebrate those things. And then we need to take a moment to rest in those. And I found that to be true, not only in our own lives, but I found that to be true in the lives of churches. I've watched church cycles come and go for many, many years now. And churches, they'll work really, really hard. I mean, they'll go at it, guns a-blazing, and they'll go so hard. But then it comes that moment where they just need to Take a breath and they need to rest for just a moment and recharge and then go at it again. If you notice that about churches and, and, and all? Well, we've kind of been in that cycle where we've had, we didn't really want it, we didn't ask for it, but we were given a moment to rest, right? And we've been resting, it's fixing big be time to get to work, right? And so that's what we're looking forward to is after this rest, getting back to doing God's work. And so, what started out at this dark moment that looked like a nation was going to be annihilated was all changed by one man's prayer. And remember what his prayer was? God, I don't have any idea what to do. So, I'm going to turn to you. And God showed up. He took care of the problem. And He reminds us today that the battle that you're facing is not yours, it is His, and He will rescue you from whatever your dark moment is. So these eight things, let's, let's look at them real quick. God begged, uh, was begged for guidance. They fasted, they gathered the people together, they prayed, they worshiped, they sang, they celebrated, and then they rested. So what does all this mean to us? Well, first of all, if you're having a dark moment, you need to try these things. Go back to it one more time. Yeah, you need to do these things. Starts with asking God for guidance. You might need to fast. You might want to gather with some people, pray about. These are the things that we need to do, right? Those are the things we need to do. But here here in a nutshell is what I want us to take away from these eight things because it's hard to remember all eight of them, and a lot of times we just practice them anyway, but I think they were good reminders and great lessons from Jehoshaphat that, that hey, if we're doing those things, we're doing the right things, because those were right things that he did. He didn't know what to do, but he did at least these eight things right. So in a nutshell, what, what does God want us to know? Here's our takeaway. Number one is this, God is present in your darkest moment, and I don't know about you, but in my dark moment, sometimes I don't feel like God is present, or I forget that he's present, or I just, I I, I don't know, It it just seems like it's not there. You know what I'm talking about? And so I think Jehoshaphat is trying, and God's trying to remind us today, he is present in your dark moment. He is always there, even when you don't feel it. Oh, wait, we just sang about that, didn't we? Even when we don't realize it, he's still working. God is present. In our dark moments. Thank you. That was the perfect song today to remind us. Sing that one. Hey, we're pulling some singers. Sing that one next time you have a dark moment. Secondly, I think God wants us to understand that prayer is more powerful than any enemy. We're going to face enemies, right? We're going to always face enemies. The Bible says that on this earth, we're going to have toil. In trouble. We're always going to have an enemy. But prayer is more powerful than any enemy that we may face. And even when you don't know what to pray for, God knows exactly what you need. Romans 8 26 says, The Holy Spirit, which remember when Jesus left, he, he gave us the Holy Spirit uh, to be with us, it says, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed. In words. Have you ever been in such a dark place that you couldn't even get words out to pray? Yeah. I look out, I see some of your faces. I know some of your stories. You've been there. It's tough. But that's when the Holy Spirit, when we can't even get it out, Praise on our behalf. Because, see, God knows what we need in our dark moment. And prayer is more powerful than any enemy. Even when you don't know what to pray for, just do it. I did it this morning. I said, God, I don't even know what to pray for. God, I don't know what to say. And I was having a dark moment. So I just knelt down. (laughs) <laughs> That's all I did. That's all I knew to do. But when I got up, God had give me what I needed. And he always does. Third thing I think God wants us to take away from this is God's not only present in our dark moments. He's more powerful than any enemy we face. No matter when he may hit you, he'll always hit you when you least expect it. And that is God's able to turn whatever comes against you against itself. You ever had that happen? God can turn whatever comes against you against itself. You see, when Jehoshaphat's enemies, when they turned against each other, it reminds us that God can take our trials, and he can turn them into triumphs in our life. God God can take our tough times, and he can turn them into terrific times. He can take our failures, and he can turn them into life's lessons that we can learn from. And as Rick Warren says, God can take our greatest hurts and turn them into our greatest ministries if we'll just let him. If we'll just let. If we'll just understand, God is able to turn whatever comes against you against itself. And so, what you may be thinking, your dark moment, and you're blaming God for it. Realize God can turn it against itself. Give it to God. It's not your battle. It's His. Anyway, He'll turn it against itself. And then the last thing. And we say it a lot, but it's so true. And that is, God can turn evil into good. Now, how many times have we said that? Hundreds, right? God can turn evil into good. You know, right after Paul tells us about the Holy Spirit praying for us when we don't even know what to say, that famous verse that most all of us can quote, Romans 8, 28, For we know all things work together for the good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, right? We've got that with men, right? We claim it. We can say all the time that God turns evil into good, but we've got to start living like, like we believe it, right? We've got to start realizing God can not only turn it into good, but he does turn it into good. You see, when Jehoshaphat's enemies, when they came to take on Jehoshaphat and his army, they came to steal everything they had. They came to actually kill them and to destroy their nation. That's what dark moments try to do to us. They try to steal, kill, and destroy everything about us. And God does want to take that evil that comes into their lives, and he wants to turn it for the good. Because, see, when they came against him, look at what happened. God, instead of letting them be destroyed and everything stolen, God caused his enemies to make a great donation to his country. It took them three days to gather it all up. Isn't that good, folks? That's the kind of good that God can bring from evil. It's not just a little bit, but an overflowing kind of thing. That's that's what God can do. You know, we can only do so much, but God can do so much more. And so today, I want us to be reminded, we are facing an enemy that's too small to be seen, but it's too big to be ignored, right? And all of these numbers that, that started out months ago on uh, you know our televisions, they were just numbers, right? About the coronavirus. And then, you know, things would pop up on our phone and there were numbers, and, and we'd get charts and we'd get reports, and, and we'd see a, well, you know, the last several months these numbers are beginning to turn into names, aren't they? Names of our friends, names of our family members. And so what we're facing with this coronavirus is still very, very real. And, and, and we can't run from it. But we, we are going to have to face it. And so, you know, maybe we just need to pray that, that this coronavirus is be turned against itself. And that God would take this evil that's come into our, our world and turn it around for the good. Let's ask God for that. I mean, we have not because we ask not, right? Let's ask God to move. I like the way Wilfredo de Jesus said, it. he's the pastor of the Fast-Growing New, Covenant, New Life Covenant Church in Chicago. He said, Understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. Understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. See, the way Ezra says it is like this. He says, When you find yourself in the dark, turn to the light. When you find yourself not knowing what to do, just turn to the one who does. And even when you don't know everything about you don't know what to do, even when you don't understand everything about what's going on in, in your situation, turn to the God who does. Understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. Let's pray together. As every head's bowed and every eye is closed. God, you've given us this uh, passage. Of Scripture in Second Chronicles to remind us that Lord, even though we're facing a lot of things together, it's affecting us individually in a lot of different ways. And not only do we have to deal with the coronavirus, we have to deal with all the things that it's caused, and the fears, and other things that's coming come up. And and just like we said earlier, there's just doesn't seem like there's rest on any side. Seems like everywhere we turn, the enemy is. It's coming after us. So God, we we ask today that you help us to face whatever crisis is in our life. God, I pray that each person here today, regardless of what they're facing, what they're going through, what they're having to deal with, that they would just pray these words with me even now. Lord, I don't know what to do. So I'm going to turn to you. Lord, I really don't know what to do, so I'm going to turn to you. And God, we're thankful that you're there and that you always rescue us. And we thank you and ask you in the name of Jesus. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.